time with I will God. spend time with God every day. Every day. Every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. 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 I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy. 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 I will be. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the vow. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter six. John chapter 6, verse 66, John 6, 6, 6. This is going to be a great spiritual sermon. Are you ready? <laughs> Kill the devil. All right. Hey. <laughs> hey, sing this song with me if you know it. I have decided to follow Jesus. Sing it like you know it. I have Come on, shout it out. All right, everybody stand. Let's do it again. I want you to give it everything you've got this time. And when we get to no turning back, when we get to no turning back, I want you to yell it at the top of your lungs. I want you to sing no turning back. No, I, no turning back. I mean like you are cheering for the Sooners who have just won the BCS championship. I want you to, I want you, whatever your team is, whatever you would cheer for, when it comes to no turning back, I want it to be like no turning back. I, want, I mean, it can sound like a declaration. Are you ready? Here we go. I have decided. John chapter 6, John chapter 6, verse 66, from this time many of his disciples, this is Jesus' disciples, from this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you, Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus, we love you tonight. God, we thank you for the journey that you've taken us on the last three days. And Father, we, we want to be the tribe that continues. We want to be the people that don't turn back. We set our hearts on a pilgrimage to be followers of Christ. And the allurement of the age is to give up. The temptation is to slow down, and the deception is that it doesn't matter. Tonight we pray that you would give us a supernatural grace and strength to continue the journey that we've started. May we never turn back. May we never give up. May we never slow down. May we never recant. May we never grow weary. We love you, Jesus. Amen. You know, years ago, uh, when someone would finish high school, they'd go off and they really wouldn't keep in touch with friends. If you were going to try to keep in touch, years later, there really wasn't a mechanism. The last couple generations, high school started reunions. Probably your parents' generation is fond of reunions and our generation's a little bit different because we have a new global community called the internet and now it's easy to keep in touch with people. There's a whole lot of good things about that, but I had a pretty shocking one the other day. I began to, you know, get into the new blog world, Facebook world, and one of the things that I found was friends I went to high school with. Now in my day, you know, back then, it was pre-Facebook. Back then, it was pre-blog. And, uh, you know, in this world, you can find just about anybody. And I um, started to have some of my friends contact me from my high school days, and junior high days. Most of it was really good. Most of it was just fun. But I, uh, I started to really become sad, if I'm honest with you. 
I um, started dialoguing with some of my old buddies. And, uh, you know, statistics are showing us right now, right now the books that are being written are saying that right now we're losing our 20-somethings. 20-somethings in America, uh, those that are, were radical for Jesus as a high school student are not continuing in abandonment towards God throughout their 20-somethings, that many are leaving the local church and that we've got a problem on our hands, and it's true. Statistics are showing it. And in a moment like this, I mean, we're saying, hey, we love Jesus. He's died for us. He rose from the dead. He's all-powerful. Jesus is awesome. And there's the thing, this thing within us that has said, I'm going to give all to God. I'm giving everything, like Dana Candler talked about when she said, hey, Christ gave all for us, and so we're going to give all for him. And we've kind of decided that we've signed up. We're going for it. But I want to tell you, I, I've had over this past year specifically difficult moments as I've, as I've found my peers a decade later. And to you, that's no big deal because you go, oh, well, I don't know your friends, but let me tell you about my friends. Let me tell you about guys that were ready to give all to go on the mission field. Let me tell you about buddies that led prayer meetings every night throughout the eighth grade, summer between eighth and ninth grade. Let me tell you about guys that were willing to give everything. And we were, I mean, it was a band of brothers. Hey, man, we're going to take, we're gonna, I mean, if we were to, you know, talk about Hudson Taylor or John Wesley, I mean, we would be like, uh, we, we, would, we would be like uh, talking for a long time. We loved it. We read missionary stories together. Sang songs together, you know, worship leaders, pastor's sons, guys that had just gotten saved, guys that were rabid. Winning people to Christ. Guys that literally were choosing to go over Thanksgiving and Christmas breaks with no movies because they didn't want even a taste of the world if possible. Guys that would spend hours alone with God. And there's a somberness inside of me right now because I'm telling you, I'm not talking theoretically. I'm talking about people that I love. And and, and right now, the flame that burned bright in their heart as a 17-year-old, as a 15-year-old, doesn't burn bright. And And I'm facing that. No doubt about it. There's guys right now, they're missionaries and they're loving Jesus. And there's guys that are pastors and I love that. But not all. Not all. And so when it goes from being, a, you know, uh, something that we read about, just a statistic. And then we look at real people. You could think about the people that are around you right now. If statistics be true about this generation, many of them that right now are arm in arm, I mean right with you, hands up, sounds of melodies, I am free, I love God, let's go for it. If the statistics be true, a decade from now, many will have lost their way. And the temptation of the age to be satisfied with stuff, money, pride, sex, will allure them into a life of disillusionment with Jesus. What do we do? I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Man, can you imagine? Can you imagine the glory of the day if this tribe, everybody here, 50 years from now, was still singing that song? If 50 years from now, you know, we're all in a nursing home together. We're in the cafeteria. John Zondervan's got no teeth. John McDonald needs a bedpan. Can you just imagine how cool 
we're all singing no turning back. There's just some, something inside of me that goes, how awesome. And what if tonight, what, what if I could tell you that based upon the scriptures, I think I know the secret to a long term, a long hauler follower of Jesus. Someone that makes it 50 years. Someone that makes it. What, what, I mean, just based on the scriptures, what if I think in here we could find that it is possible that realistically we don't have to turn back? What, what, what if it were true? That I could make it and that you could make it and that we could come to the end of our life and we could look back when we're old and gray and say, I've sought you since the days of my youth. What if it were true? I think it's possible. I believe that everybody here can make it. I think, I think I know the secret. You know, Dana was up here. Dana is, uh, she's one of my present tense heroes. She's, she's, a, she's extravagantly in pursuit of God while she's living a very normal life. She has two children. and Yeah, her life of prayer and fasting and her life in God just so challenges me. But I think Dana picked up something along the way. I remember being 18 years old and Dana, she's my triplet sister, she spoke yesterday and, and she was headed off to go to college up in Minneapolis and I was going to go to college in Kansas City and so we were actually riding when we were 18 years old in August of a long time ago, we were riding in a car together and it was literally going to drop me off in Kansas City and then she was going to go on to Minneapolis and, and we were talking and we were talking about the Lord and we had seen a lot of God, we'd seen God do a lot of cool things in our high school days. I was kind of the... No surprise here. The screamy, wiry guy, you know, a little munchkin for Jesus, you know, in high school. And she was kind of a contemplative with her friends and they'd, you know, pray a lot. And, and we, were, we, were, we were driving up and we we're talking about following God. And, and she got out her journal and as she began to read her journal, it was so filled with conversation between her and God. Stunning to me. She began to talk about, and then the Lord was saying this, and then I read this scripture, and I said this to the Lord, and then the Lord spoke back to me, and, and I just looked at the Lord, and I just said this, and then God said to me, and, and I just looked at her, and I said, Dana, I, I, don't, I don't really have a grid for that level of conversation with God, but I want to. I said, Dana, I, I mean, I, I feel inside of me, I, I'm committed, like, yeah, come on, let's go for it, human zeal, we can make it, but, and I want Jesus to be lifted up in my life and all that, but that kind of interaction that she, you have with God, that's so stunning. That, I, I remember just that moment, it's August, I'm going into my freshman year of college, and just being so inspired by that, and then she got into school, she would... And, you know, email was invented. She would, uh, she would send me emails. And they were just pages. And pages. Of what, of encourage, I mean, writing a letter to me. Encouraging me. And it was just like, the Lord has spoken through this verse and this verse. And I think you should know this and this and this. And I remember just being like, what? I mean, are you a saint? What is this, you know? Dana connected a personal relationship with God in a pretty powerful way. It's interesting. This morning, Lee Cummings came up here and Lee Cummings spoke. And, you know, most of us look at a pastor and we're like, that's cool. But I want you to imagine this pastor who talked about how as a young man in junior high, he got gripped by God, and knew what God called him to do from when he was an extremely young man and planted a church at 25. I mean, man... Most of my, my friends, you know, didn't graduate until they're 30. So, you know, like planning a church at 25 is pretty impressive. And, you know, 12 years later, this is a pretty, pretty impressive work of God, pretty miraculous thing. And we, most of the time, we wouldn't take the time to look at that. And, but I want you to look at that for a minute and go, what, what's, what's the distinction there? I mean, if you were to ask Lee the same thing about his buddies, I can guarantee you, many. Many have turned back. 
I was reading Lee's website, you know, we're in the process of having this event here, and so I just decided to, you know, kind of study up on the website, and I came across this phrase about Lee, a bio. Now, when you write your church bio, most of the time it's like, so-and-so has this degree, so-and-so has done this, so-and-so, you know, it's kind of that kind of thing. But you don't know what Lee decided to put in his bio. You can look at this. It's at rlc.info. You know what's interesting? Let me tell you what I read. Lee maintains an intimate relationship with God through daily prayer and study. Who puts that in their bio? It's not a normal person. It's a bizarre, weird person that writes that. It's someone that deems that extremely significant. I think I know the secret. I think I've found the secret. Philippians chapter 3, Paul here. Now Paul is in prison in Rome. He's um, already written the Corinthians. He's already written the book of Romans. He's already been establishing the church. He's been reaching Gentiles. He's already had a powerful encounter with God. In Acts chapter 9, you're probably familiar with the story, but Saul is on his way to kill Christians. He's on his way to persecute Christians. And Jesus appears to him. I like to say, knocks him off his donkey. Just out doing his deal. Saul, what do you do? I persecute Christians. What do you do? I'm on my way to persecute Christians. Boom! The scripture says, brighter than the sun, Jesus appears to him. Now that's really bright. Jesus appears to him, brighter than the sun. Saul falls off his donkey and Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He goes, who are you? I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. He goes, oh, okay. And he, uh, I'm not going to do that anymore. He becomes a follower of Jesus that day. I would too. He's blind. You know, goes in, sees Ananias. Fish scales fall out of his eyes. It's kind of cool. But it's interesting because that was years and years ago. He, this was, that was how he met Jesus. And yet, here he is. He's in prison in Rome. And he makes this statement that is so captivating. Philippians chapter 3. I just want you to get this, verse 7. But whatever was to my loss, I now, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And here it is. This is what just leaps out off the page. I've already met Jesus a long time ago. I've already written the book of Romans. I've already written Corinthians. I've already been beaten and shipwrecked. I've been in this Jesus thing for a long time. And he says in the present tense, I want to know Christ. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him unto death and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. He goes, you know what, I met Jesus a long time ago. But here I'm going to write to this church in Philippi that I've already helped establish. And he says, here's what lives in my heart today. I want to know Jesus. And whatever was to my gain, I consider lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. He goes, you want to know this one thing? This one thing that's in me? I want to know God. I want, I have a resolution, I have a determination I've signed up on the dotted line. I've decided that even if it costs me a lot of other things, there's one thing that I will not go without. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Christ. Not, I met Christ a long time ago and it was glorious. Let me tell you about my salvation experience. It was now. I want to know Christ now. Here I am. I'm in a Roman prison. I want to know him today. Hey, I've already written. They, they say my writings are pretty good. I'm hoping it makes the canon of scripture. Who knows? I've already written, I, I mean, the scriptures. I've been persecuted for Christ. And still, there's this engine going on inside of his heart that won't relent and won't recant. He goes, you want to know what I want? You want to know what I'm about? I want to know 
Christ's. Not I want to read what someone else has to say about him. Not I want to sing songs that John Egan writes or that Leland sings. No, no, no. He goes, not I want to hear other people's sermons. He goes, I want I, I, Paul, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. Friends, that longing is so weak within so many who have grown up in church. That longing hardly exists because we've grown up on veggie tales. Because, because we've grown up with so many songs. We've grown up with so much stuff. We've had Bible scripture, scripture memory that we had to do for Sunday school to get the treat. We've had Christian t-shirts for as long as we can remember. We've had Christian bumper stickers. And I'm not against any of those things. But you know what? If somehow in our brain we perceive ourselves to be radical because we're around a culture that talks about God, but internally we have no pursuit of him. I'm talking when it's just quiet, when it's just you and Jesus. Turn the iPod off. There's no live worship going and it's just you and God and your bare Bible. (laughs) There's no fancy youth pastor to scream at you or spit on you. There's no church. I'm just talking you. Just imagine Paul in a cell. No one else around him. No iPod. No testament mints for him to suck on. With Jesus language all mixed in it. Just a prison cell. Writing. Just pen and paper. Just what's in here? If most of us were to get pen and paper, we had nothing else around us, and we were in prison for a long time, we would go to write, we'd be like, Woe is me, I hate life, I'm so, I'm gonna die. Where's Starbucks? <laughs> but you know what burned in the heart of Paul? I wanna know Jesus. I wanna know him now. I want to know him today. I must know him. I want to be more than someone that sings about it. I want to know God. In 10 years, some of you are going to have great stories of victory. Some of you are going to have really tragic things happen in your life. Some of you are going to get a great education. Some of you are going to get no education. Some of you are going to marry someone that's fantastic and some of you are going to possibly marry someone that's not. The temptation will be to define your life by your success. Inevitably. Outward circumstance, some of you will make good investments and some bad investments. Some of you get the right education, some of you won't. And I think if we were to look at this, if most of what we're banking on is how are things going to go for me? Then a decade from now, there'll be many of us, many, that when we say, what lives in here? And you're filling out your profile of who you are and what you care about. Jesus is hard to find or not even there. But I know how, I know how he takes over the profile. I know how he fills up the Facebook profile. I know how he fills up what we talk about. I know, I know the secret. I saw it in Dana. You can read about it from Lee. You can see it in Paul. It's not, I want to be famous. It's not, I want a good life. And I'll get a little Jesus hobby in there so maybe he can give me some good stuff. It's I have a resolution that burns within my heart. I want to know this man Jesus. I must know him. And whatever else, whatever else I've done well, whatever else, hey, I consider that word is actually poop. Dung. 
rubbish. Get it away from me. Compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. For whose sake I have lost all things. All things. That means in here, it's just like an engine that just keeps getting brighter and brighter. I want to know Jesus. And when that lives in here, then you can go through a difficult circumstance. And out of that resolution to want to know Jesus, that outward circumstance that's hard and that you can walk through that circumstance and go through a difficult thing and you'll actually grow closer to Jesus by that difficult circumstance. But if you have a different resolution, then you go through the outward circumstance and something goes wrong and things don't align with the way that you wanted to. And so you get irritated and before long, your frustration goes, why God? And all of a sudden, the very thing that could have been the thing that led you into being close to Jesus becomes the reason why you have accusation in your heart and you become angry at God. It all depends on the resolution that exists in you. Are you in this thing and hoping for a little bit of Jesus to have a good life? Or are you in this thing because you love him and you want to know him and you count everything else as rubbish compared to the massive splendor, greatness of knowing the one who is awesome. Who is so awesome. Who is holy. Who never changes. Who loves you. We sing the song. I'm in love with you. We sing the song. I'm free. I'm free from the world. We sing song after song after song after song after song. And friends, the only reason why I'm this strong tonight is because I sang those songs a decade ago with some of my best buds. They're a little different, a little more delirious, a little less passion. There's a little less desperation band and a little more, you know, <laughs> vineyard. But it was the same ideas. And we sang those songs. And today, how many of them are entrenched in either lethargy or total sin? Martin Luther, he said, Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. I'm asking you tonight, will you make a resolution? I have decided to follow Jesus. And you know what? If you're, I won't turn back, it's just watch me, suckers, I'll make it. What? You think I'm going to turn back? You haven't seen Superman for God. Watch me, buddy. You'll never make it. It's something about you. I'll tell you the resolution that will help you make it. I don't know if good days or bad days, easy days, hard days, victorious days, or really weak days are ahead of me. But this I know. I want to know Christ. And that may mean that I have tragedy in front of me, or that may mean that people, you know, buy my CD, download my song on iTunes. That may mean that everything goes well with my parents and it may mean that my parents reject me. I don't know what circumstance lies for tomorrow, but it matters not. I'll tell you what's inside this heart. I want to know Jesus. I have decided I'm going to know him. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to be his friend. And more than singing the song, I'm a friend of God. More than it just being something that's fun and, you know, easy to jump up and down to. I'm going to embrace the disciplines necessary that Jesus laid out, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and I'm going to know him. I'm going to know. Not, 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 I'm going to feed off of someone else that knows him. Not, hey, my parents know him. Not, hey, I've got a youth pastor that's really cool and really dynamic, but me, you, you're 14 years old. You're 15 years old. Why not you? Why not you? Because I've got this wrong, and because this isn't just quite right, and because this girl dumped me, and because really I've got so much homework, and because... Shut up. (laughs) You have the invitation. You live in a nation that's free. If you're here at this conference, 
You're probably connected to a great local church that's there to help you. You've got so much. Take the steps. Here's what we often do. All right. I'm going to follow Jesus. And we wouldn't say this, but here's what a lot of us do. Internally, though we wouldn't articulate it, in the back of our mind, our plan A is, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Unless, I don't know, something happens and I don't know. And plan B is, I'll go the safe route. I'll make sure that I, you know, get the education I really do need. And I'll make sure that I, you know, like get at least some fun times in. And might flirt with this much sin. And we kind of create a plan B. And we would never say it. Just in case I get disillusioned, maybe I'll try secretly keep a little bit of plan B. That in itself is destructive. The kind of person that we have to be is we have to just go ahead and say, I'm going to crush all the escape routes, all the little sins that easily entangle. All that, well, if the radical for Jesus thing doesn't turn out, I always have this hobby, this girlfriend, whatever the, that thing might be. And I'm telling you, the secret to extravagance is crush the escape routes. Get rid of them. I love the story of... I'm sure you've heard, I don't know, the story of Cortez. You know, this explorer that came over from Spain and arrived at Mexico, in Mexico. And he, they got off the boats. And when they got off the boats, there was not the comfort that they had had back in Spain and they're suddenly in this new place and Cortez the last thing he wanted was his guys to get so homesick that they decided to go back to where it was comfortable and they had spent so much time sailing their mission their purpose was to arrive here in Mexico and so he looked at one of his guys and upon arriving on the sands and finally getting there into an uncomfortable land into a place that was brand new Instead of saying, take care of those ships so in case things don't turn out, we can go back to Spain. Instead, he, he looked at his guys and he said, burn the ships. We're not going back. No matter what happens, we're staying here. Friends, here's what's happened this weekend. We've said, we're going to follow Jesus. We're going to know Jesus. And there's no going back. Burn the escape routes. Burn the things that are going to keep you. Burn the things that are going to be the, the vehicle for you to get back to lethargy, to get back to average, to get back to sin. Crush them, burn them. I don't know what those are for you. Get rid of them. If it's the girl that constantly allures you into sexual immorality, break up with her. If she won't stop text messaging you, get a new cell phone. If she starts talking to you face to face, then then, then run away. Just (laughs) figure out a plan and burn the ships. Get away. I want to tell you, friends, that's the secret. Get rid of those things. Get rid of those things. And, 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 and talk to your youth pastor. Talk to a friend and just say, here is the ship that takes me back to the place of comfort. Here is this thing. Help me set this thing on fire. I, just, I don't want it in my life anymore. Because you know what happens? If you don't burn the ship, if you don't like seal the deal, I'm getting rid of that thing, then the ship is right here. And it's looking back at you and it's going, come back. We can always go back. And you know what? When you're here and you're staring at it day in and day out, the chances of you going back to lethargy are high. One of the secrets, all right, I'm going to go hard after God. That means I'm going to spend time with Jesus every day. That means I'm going to be a part of the prayer meeting. That means I'm going to set into my life a fasting regiment. That means I'm going to have an accountability group that, that I talk to. Maybe I'm going to meet with the youth pastor and we're going to chat online and he's going to help me from not get, doing the things that I used to do. I don't know what it is for you. Only you know your journey. Only you know. But I want to tell you one of the reasons 
One of the reasons why so many stay, okay, I'm going to go back and be a slave to average, slave to lethargy, is because they keep their options open. They just keep them open. Don't keep it open. End the immoral relationship. Don't keep it open. If, you have a, if you're struggling with what your friends think about you, run away. I'm not kidding. Everybody goes, oh, that's so strong. No, I don't care. We're going to stand before the God of the ages, and that's what's going to be mad. Be, that's what's going to matter. And we're all like uh, so uptight when someone says, no, don't, don't hang out with the friends that are dragging you to hell. No, I'm going to tell you, yeah, get rid of them and go the other way. And I want, I, I, I'm not trying to be elitist. I'm not trying to develop spiritual pride in you. But I, I, I do want you to know you're going to face the pain and the reality. Many, many are just, I mean, in Jesus' day, many turned back. And I'll bet if you talk to your senior pastor, your youth pastor, they'd tell you, many turn back. I thought that, man, I'd be, you know, old, about to die, needing a coffin right here, 31. I could keel over any minute now. I thought I'd be here, and my boys, we'd be buds, and we'd be all over the world, and we'd be taking the planet, and, man, nobody could stop us. And, man, we would be calling each other and be like, what'd you do? We'd be like, I just saved Africa. What are you doing? Oh, I just took America. You know, and we'd be like, yeah. That's what I thought. But I'm being honest with you and I'm telling you, that's not what's happened. Many are fiery and many are not. And I know the secret. The ones that are fiery today didn't define success based upon what happened on the external. It's what happened on the internal. What happens in here? I want to know Jesus. And things may go well for me and things may not. There's good days and there's bad days. And there's days where I thought that could never, ever in a million years happen. And it happens. And you go, God, in this valley, I want to know you. And you know what? If you say, I want to know Jesus, I can promise you this. There's going to be so many barren moments. There just is. I mean, it'd be cool if we just had like, you know, fiery friends around us all the time. But there's just, there is just, there's just barren moments. I'll bet you could, could ask Lee Cummings about planning this church. I can guarantee you there were moments where he was sitting there in his car going, God, what have you asked me to do? Start a church out of my basement. Are you kidding me? I'm not even hardly, you know, old enough to, I don't know, have a credit card or something. But I, I. Here I am. Where are you? Oh, yeah. My hope isn't an external. My hope is in you. My relationship, everything is about you. I'm about you. It's all about you. Dana talks about days alone in a backyard going, God, where are you? Let me, let me tell you something. At this age, we're like, yeah, I feel invincible, man. We're going to take the world. Watch us. There's going to be so many dark days. And it's in those dark days. It's in those hard moments that are the great test on who am I going to lean on? Am I going to run to God or from God in this difficult hour? In this difficult moment, am I going to run to God or from God? And if you'll run to God, you'll go, God, I don't know what's happened. Uh, th- things didn't turn out like, quite like I thought. I thought for sure I'd be first string quarterback at the University of Michigan. And I don't know what happened, God. But I'm not there, but I trust you. God, I thought for sure that I would be like, have led, you know, all of South Africa to Jesus by now. But I've been here for three whole days and nothing's happened, God. And so I trust you. Let me tell you something. If it's internal and there's this thing that goes, no matter what happens, the resolution in me is I want to know Jesus. I want to know, friends, I'll be honest with you, man, it's cool. We all want to have like, you know, real success. You know, we want to have purpose and purpose is the big thing right now. You know, what are you going to do for the kingdom? Yeah. And some people are like, I'm going to be, you know, like Shaq for Jesus and I'm going to dunk the ball and people are going to get saved. You watch, man. 
Other people are like, I'm going to be a billionaire for God. And I don't know how, but I might, you know, sell something. It's going to be cool. And then I'll be really rich for Jesus, you know. Other people are like, you know, hey, I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to do this for God. And I'm great. I love that. I want us to do things for the kingdom. That's cool. That's good. But can I tell you, I think we need to dial back about 70% on what we're going to do for God. And I'll tell you this, you more than anything were made to know God first. And the human temptations go, yeah, 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 of course, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but what are you going to do? I mean, what are you, you going to do? We're like, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to fast, and I'm going to study the scriptures, and I'm going to have my heart come alive, and people are like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but what are you going to do? That's what people do. And here's what I want to get inside of you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to know Jesus and then let the chips fall where they fall. I'm going to love God and do whatever I want. <laughs> I'm going to love God. And if I love God, and if that's inside of me, and you know where a lot of people get disillusioned? Is, well, I worked so hard on this degree, and I worked so hard on this master's degree, and I worked so hard on this thing, and I was going to do it all for Jesus. And now I'm looking at my life, and, and I'm like, I'm not sure where my effectiveness is, and I judge my success based upon my effectiveness. And because I don't see effectiveness, I'm kind of in a midlife crisis. But let me tell you, if you get to be my age, teeth start falling out, you're old, and you've determined, I just want to know Jesus. I just want to know God. I want to know God and then... If I know God, he will lead me into whatever he wants me to do. And make, make about 90%. I want to know Christ. And then 10%. And God, what does that look like? How should, what should I do here? You'll be okay. And some people are like, no way. We got so much work to do. I know we got work to do. But you know what? We're losing a generation because we're so focused on stuff. And we're not focused on who God is. We're not focused on knowing him. So many, so many go to church and they have, they're not spending time with Jesus. They don't know the scriptures. They're just hanging. Their intimacy with God is the last blog that they read. Oh, man. Do you know? Do you know what Jesus prayed? Look, this is John 17. This is so fun. John 17. This gets me excited. Sorry, I didn't mean to suddenly get just so enthusiastic there. But John 17, look at what Jesus prays. Now, this is Jesus praying. The reason why I love this is because Jesus' prayers always get answered. You want to know why? Because Jesus is God, duh. So think about that. I mean, sometimes we wonder if our prayers get answered, but I can guarantee you Jesus' prayers get answered. I can't imagine God the Father looking down at God the Son and Jesus saying something. God's like, no, not going to answer that prayer, son. Yeah, no. Jesus, he's God. His prayers get answered. It's just the way it works. God prays to God. I don't know how that works in the Trinity. I think it's really complicated, but I think it's really cool because Jesus' prayers get answered. Look what's in Jesus' heart. Jesus says this. He says, let's just start in verse 1. Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. Verse 2. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now watch this. Now this is eternal life. And here it is. Watch this. That they may know you. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus goes, I want people to know you. Good day. The God of the ages has prayed that you and I would know him. You know what that means? There's going to be a remnant of people that know him. (laughs) Why not us? There's going to be some people that know God. When Paul says, I want to know Christ, he's not like, dreamy pie in the sky, wouldn't it be great? He goes, no, 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 no. It's possible, it's available, and I'm going to be one of them. And you know what? If we can get that in our spirit, if we can get that alive in here, a decade from now, 25. A decade from now, you're 28. Maybe you're 23. Maybe you're 30. If you spend a decade, I want to know Jesus. Some of you that will start to create a prayer life. Some of you that will start to create a spiritual discipline life and solitude or whatever it looks like. Whatever way that you're going to 
spiritual pathway. Some of you means you're going to, you know, go to the woods and fast and pray. And others of you, the last place you'll ever meet God is in the woods because you'd probably die. And there's just all kinds of different pathways, different ways that you get there. But you have a resolution you're going to get there. A decade from now, you could be rich, you could be poor. You could have things going well, things going not going well. But you know where your heart is? I'm in love with you. I love you. I trust you. It's all about you. I know who you are. I know that you're like enthroned forever. I know that you're like awesome. I, I, I know that no one compares to you. I know that there's the surpassing greatness of knowing you. I know that there's riches in you. I know that there's hope in you. I know that there's life in you. I know that you're my tomorrow. I know that you're my today. I know that somehow you're my yesterday. I know that you're my eternity. I know that you're coming back. Na, 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 na. It's a good day. encourage you tonight. My prayer is that a decade from now, 10 years, 10 years that when you go to your profile, you type in Johnny, whatever your name is, Jones, John McDonald, John's, all youth pastors are John, and you find it. You write it, you look through it. A decade from now, there's verses. You've got an education that's been strategic in advancing the kingdom. You're probably, some of you, married to awesome people by faith. You've decided to marry someone that loves Jesus with all their heart. And that 10 years from now, there's a river inside your heart. And it's not filled with accusation and pain and mad at God because things didn't turn out like you thought. But instead, you could be in a Roman prison. You could be in a working for Microsoft. You could be working for McDonald's. You could be working for whatever. And then in here, you're alive. And you're saying, I'm following Jesus, no turning back. He's too awesome. This tonight, I'd like everybody to stand. And here's what I want to do. This is not an altar call. I'm not asking for a... uh, Tonight, like if you want, you know, some kind of experience right here. Tonight, I'm not saying that there's something already happening in here. I'm just saying that there's a resolution inside of your heart that goes, I want to know Christ. Not it's a new resolution. Not... Renewing the resolution. Just every single person that says, that is the resolution of my heart. That is who I am. I want my life to be defined as I want to know Jesus. I mean, can you imagine if we live this? Can you imagine? What if, I'm just saying, what if 99% of us showed up in heaven one day? We stand before the God of the ages, you know, and we look at him. And he looks at us, and he's like, ah, you guys loved me. Oh. I, I know I always scream. I just think there's going to be so much screaming in heaven. I think we're going to just look at Jesus and scream, ha, ah, you know, I think that's going to be who we are. I think we're going to be, whoa. But can you imagine if the few years we had on the earth was so dedicated and resolute to fulfill John 17, 3, that there was something inside of God that goes, <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, I love that. Tonight, if you go, I'm in. I'm going to throw a decade at getting to know Jesus. I'm going to do more than sing the song, friend of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get to know him. I'm going to get to know I'm going to, I... I'm going to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I'm not going to be one that gives up, turns back, goes home, and sells out. If that's you tonight, I just want you to make all the way, get, come in here really tight, fill the aisles, and I want to pray for you. going to mean um, this is going to mean discipline this is going to mean sacrifice this is going to mean less sleep <laughs> this is going to mean less movies oh people hate it when I say that no it is it's going to require less recreation Instead of just chilling out, watching Animal Planet, you're going to have to turn the TV off and pull out the book of Psalms. I want this to be a somber moment. No frills. No, just, just, are we going to go there? Are we going to, are we going to be people that stand like Paul and go, make you weird. Do you know that? You know, that's going to make you a strange person. People are going to look at you and you're going to be like, what are you doing? Spending time with God? Where's God? Everywhere? I don't see him. He's invisible. You're going to face moments and it's going to be hard. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.